Hello and a warm welcome as you join us on Search for Truth, your 15-minute programme of Bible teaching and hymn singing. Brian, our Bible teacher, continues his talks on Christ in the Old Testament by looking at another of the feasts, sacrifices and festivals which the Israelites held. The Old Testament contains many prophetic illustrations which speak of Christ, and this time Brian looks at the offering of a sheaf of grain in connection with the annual harvest. It's called the First Fruits, and here's Brian to tell us more. Thanks, John. Under the Old Testament law, the first fruits were the earliest gathered crops that God's people dedicated to their God. It wouldn't be inappropriate then to talk in terms of it being a harvest thanksgiving. In particular, the Israelites were to offer to God a sheaf of the first grain that was harvested on the day after the Sabbath, following the Passover feast. We've just mentioned the Passover feast there, but this wasn't the only feast or festival celebrated by the Jewish people every year. Long ago, God had an annual calendar that he gave to his people. In it were appointments that he'd made, times when his Old Testament people were to come together before him. These were to be times of celebration, and they were linked in with the spring and autumn times of harvest. If God chose to have a record of these feasts, preserved for our information in the Bible, it would be foolish of us just to dismiss them as being all for a bygone day with no meaning at all for us. I hope we don't treat the Old Testament of our Bibles like that. Remember how in this series of studies we're exploring how the coming of Christ, his person and work, was anticipated in a whole number of ways in the Old Testament. We can therefore still read it and find it freshly testifying to us about Christ. As we've often thought in this series of studies, that was exactly what Christ himself did with the two disciples who walked with him en route to Emmaus on our Lord's resurrection day. At that moment, those two disciples actually thought Jesus was dead, little realising that it was the risen Christ who was walking beside them and opening the Old Testament scriptures up to them. We're trying to follow Christ's own example of finding him in the Old Testament. In fact, we're trying to make an educated guess as to what the themes were that the Lord spoke about to those two disciples. And we're doing that based on collating together the themes that either the Lord himself or later his apostles under the guidance of his spirit, unfolded in the New Testament. It's been said that the New Testament is concealed in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is revealed in the New. And so this is what God expects us to do, not only with the feasts, but with the whole Old Testament. So definitely this includes our trying to understand what these harvest celebrations were all about. Let's then take a look together at the third in the sequence of yearly celebrations which God's Old Testament people were to keep. After the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread followed on straight away. These feasts were designed to ensure that the Israelite people never forgot how God had brought them out, had rescued them from being slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. But the third feast was a bit different. It had to wait until the time when God had actually brought them into the land that he'd promised to them, because it was a harvest thanksgiving, a celebration of God's goodness to them 
in providing them with a harvest in the promised land. Here's what we can read about the third feast then, the feast or celebration of first fruits, as it was called. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land which I am going to give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring in the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord for you to be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. That's from Leviticus chapter 23, verses 9 to 11. And this was done each year in the early springtime. And it was the barley that was ripening at that time of year. The first of the grain was a promise of the harvest to come. And so with great thankfulness, it was to be presented to God in celebration of his goodness and faithfulness to them for another year. This annual series of feasts gave an outline of future events that God had prophesied were going to take place. Let's explain what we mean by that. The annual celebration, the feast of Passover, with the death of the lamb for each family group, was, of course, an advanced picture of the death of Jesus, who would die as the Lamb of God. Following that, on the third day after it, the Feast of Firstfruits was designed to draw attention to the fact that the Lord Jesus was not only going to die, but was going to be raised again from the dead. Picture with me, please, in your mind's eye, the barley standing in the fields, almost ready for harvesting. As the breeze sweeps across the field, the heads of the grain might appear to be waving back and forth. Certainly, it'd be moving around, swaying about under the action of the wind. And then someone comes along and cuts a sheaf of the first ripe grain to take it to the priest for this ritual celebration. And what does the priest do? He takes the barley sheaf of first roots and waves it before the Lord, the Bible says. It was to be lifted up and ceremonially waved at their national place of worship. I suggest to you the picture is this. Something that had been living in the sense of having been growing in the harvest field, where the wind had appeared to make it sway or wave around, that same something, that barley sheaf, even though it had been cut down, was now raised on high and was in fact waving again in the hand of the priest just as though it was living again, so giving us a picture of resurrection. And so it was following God's timetable, a timetable leaked in advance that Jesus Christ died on one Passover day on the 14th day of the month, and he rose from the dead on the third day, the 16th of the same month, the very day the wave sheaf was due to be presented to God. I find it very moving to think of how in the year of Jesus' death and resurrection, that as the Jews were going about their annual ritual of waving the barley sheaf of firstfruits, on that very same morning, the tomb of Jesus Christ was already found to be opened and his body gone. For the true, the real wave sheaf, Jesus himself, had been raised on high. He truly was living again, never more to die. Knowing a little of the background of these things from the Old Testament is necessary to make sense of the language that the New Testament uses when, for example, it describes the Lord Jesus as the firstfruits. 
Let's check out a reference in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where the Apostle Paul says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, after that those who are Christ's at his coming. Then comes the end, when he delivers up the kingdom to our God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. That's Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 22. Here the Bible is viewing resurrection as being like a harvest. The harvest hasn't taken place yet, but the first of the fruits have been gathered in. In other words, Jesus has been raised and gone above. But when he returns, all dead believers in himself who belong to this church age will be raised. And we who are alive at the time of his return will together with them go to meet our Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 Sometime afterwards, there will be another resurrection of Old Testament characters who believed and served God back then. And finally, the closing chapters of the book of the Revelation describe the final resurrection when even all unbelievers will stand before God's white judgment throne. Then the resurrection harvest will be complete. They will be raised, of course, for judgment. One important last point to come back to and notice is this, and it's something true of all the feasts, but we'll mention it in connection with the first fruits, and it's this. The wave sheaf had to be brought and presented before God at the place of his choice, the one national place of worship, God's house on earth. Nowhere else would do. They couldn't keep this celebration wherever they chose. You might think that so long as their attitude was right, they might be able to celebrate God's goodness wherever it was convenient for them. But no, quite emphatically no in fact, God's command was, three times in a year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Booths. That's found in Deuteronomy 16 verse 16. We can hardly fail to notice the principle that it's God who appoints for us the place where we are to come together with others, just as the first New Testament disciples did, and worship God according to his word. It's no longer, of course, a physical place that we've to come to. That would be impossible given the worldwide nature of Christianity. But previously in the Old Testament, when physical centres were chosen by God, he'd always supplied the pattern for them. And when we come to the New Testament, once again, we see how Christian disciples serve God according to the pattern of apostolic teaching, God's own pattern. Wherever they were geographically, they were together in this spiritual association that had been established by God in what were simply known then as churches of God, all integrated into the one community. And on each and every first day of the week, those in these churches gathered around a table with bread and wine and celebrated their risen Saviour. Now that's something we should still be doing. Yeah.
As usual, I mention the advantage of getting the transcript book of all 12 talks in this series. It's available online. Either you can get it yourself by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Alternatively, you can request a hard copy book by asking for the title Christ in the Old Testament. And don't forget to include your postal address so we know where to send it. You can use email or the post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon SN4 8DY UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Unfortunately, we've almost reached the end of today's programme. Once again, we've been very grateful for the pleasure of your company, so many thanks for taking time to be with us. Do join us again next week, though, for the next talk in this series on Christ in the Old Testament. It's called The Ashes of a Red Heifer, as mentioned in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 13. So, until next time, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher Brian, our producer David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon and in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings. Jesus,